Hey guys, welcome to episode 82 of The Green Life. Today's episode, after a little break, is really cool as we go back talking about holistic health and how to be healthy in different ways. We're going to speak about air quality, something we don't really discuss enough, but today I have invited Michael Rubino to join me on the podcast to discuss just that. And we're going to talk about the air quality in our homes, most specifically talking about how mold can impact the air quality in our home and can make us really sick. So Michael Rubino has become a renowned leader in the mold and remediation space. He's the president of Home Cleanse and he's also an author, the author of The Mold Medic, an expert guide on mold removal. Michael has helped thousands of people get healthier by cleansing their homes, healthy and recovering even from autoimmune disease. So it's a really interesting conversation that we're gonna have here. I really hope that this will spark curiosity and also a awareness around this topic that we don't really speak about, air quality and mold. So guys, before we get into the episode, I just wanna give a big shout out to Namawell for the J2 juicer, but also for the new machine, the C2, which combines their J2 amazingness with a blender. So you have a high-speed blender that can make soups and smoothies and you name it, you can make it. So it's one machine that does it all. I'm really, really excited to see where this company goes, allowing people to have more raw food, healthy food, and of course, plant-based food. All right, I am not an affiliate with them, but I have a beautiful discount for you in the show notes. So please, 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 if you are investing in one, just use the code. It's a gift from me to you. I don't make money out of it. However, I am an affiliate of Dr. Moses Herbs. And if you, if, as you know, I love them. I use them. I endorse Dr. Moses' teachings. I'm learning from him. So I really, really appreciate if you're looking to cleanse, detoxify, want to work with me even, please do. But use these herbs. They are amazing. They're really strong and uh, they're really effective. I use them myself and every time I do, I am in awe of how beautifully they work. So, also, I have retreat here in Portugal and we are really, really welcoming beautiful healers and yoga teachers, any kind of teachers for next year's retreats. If you want to have a retreat and you want a space where you can really submerse yourself into an amazing, you know, amazing nature and you want to be, feel supported and you want to make sure that you're also financially supported, then get in touch with me. I put the links in the show notes so that you can see and we can talk. All right, guys, without further ado, let's dive into this beautiful, very important conversation with Michael Rubino. Welcome, Michael. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for joining me on The Green Life. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing well and thank you so much for having me. My absolute pleasure. You really cover some important topics and I think it's really important to talk about it, especially living this green life and wanting to be healthy. And I think it's a topic that nobody really speaks about. And um, there are no many experts that even talk about mold. And uh, I know I'm just giving away the topic per se, but um, I, you talk about basically home uh, biology, right, in a way. So I love to, but first of all, if you could give an introduction to people that don't know you and they don't know the work that you do, so we can just understand your background and how you even got into this. And then we'll just dive into the topic of how can people be healthy? What is mold and so on? Good, good. Yeah. So for those that don't know me, my name is Michael Rubino. It's very nice to meet you. And I've been doing this for 11 years. And what this is, is actually going into people's homes and creating healthier environments. How I got started in this is my dad has been a restoration contractor since I'm five years old. So I've been around construction pretty much my entire life. And it was after Hurricane Sandy hit the Northeast that I finally realized how important the home environment is to our health. 
because there were hundreds of people getting sick. Uh, for seven years thereafter, I was going in and refixing houses that were supposedly fixed. And that's what really led me down this journey. Um, you know, it's it's really uh, interesting because there are pretty much three main components that we need to stay alive. And it's air, <laughs> it is water, and it is food. Mm-hmm. And we sure focus a lot on water and food, but we barely even think about air at all. And I think that's where I help people provide this missing link uh, for better health. Absolutely. Wonderful. I mean, I will say uh, I challenge how much we focus on water and food because uh, I don't know, our governments are just allowing things that are not even natural anymore to be to go into our bodies, into the supermarkets. And people are so not educated. They don't even know about water uh, and definitely they don't know about air. I mean, I learned about it only a couple of years ago. Like I started making that connection and got air purifier for my whole homes. But I, it's like before that, I didn't really think I took it quote, granted that, of course, the air is fine at home, right? Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> so, well, it's invisible, right? Yeah. So you you don't see air, you see through it. And so when you look around, you're like, no, everything's fine. Everything's great. It's not until you, it has to be so bad where you notice a smell mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, what's that smell? Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that the air quality can be extremely toxic with no smell. Mm-hmm. And that's where things get confusing. Yeah. And can we, so can we just have a little bit about into the subject of air quality? First of all, what does it mean to have good air quality and what are the telling factors or signs that perhaps we need to either investigate, even if we don't have any smell or, or even, you know, stains on the wall or whatever, or like how, you know, how we can really make sure that our homes are safe, basically. Yeah. So good air quality would basically mean you have low levels of VOCs present. So that these are organic compounds that you'd be breathing in. Paint is probably the best example of what a VOC is, that paint smell as it's curing and drying after you freshly paint a house. Low levels of formaldehyde, because unfortunately, a lot of products that we put into our homes contain formaldehyde, including furniture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it would be low levels of mold. It would be none of the, the toxic molds like Stachybotrys or Catomia. It would be low levels of bacteria. And that's a tricky one because the human being has a lot of bacteria in your body that does excrete into the environment. And it would be basically having good filtration systems, protecting your HVAC system, which is like the lungs of the home, and staying on top of water damage because that creates the you know environment where mold and bacteria can thrive. And that essentially is what makes up the foundation for a healthy home, right? So those are the things that we're looking for. Okay, brilliant. Um, can we talk about the difference between normal mold? You said low level of mold and then toxic mold, because I think a lot of people don't really understand the difference. It can be quite confusing anyway, right? Yeah, I think the best data is probably from the 2019 study that the EPA did where they surveyed a thousand different homes. They used PCR technology to test these homes. <laughs> and through that, they're able to see like, okay, there's all these different species of aspergillus or penicillium. You have stachybotrys, you have catomium, you have cladosporium, right? There's different species of mold that can grow in our home. And what we really identified is there's about 36 of them that typically grow in a water-damaged environment. And those molds are typically more problematic than the molds that you typically would be breathing in outdoors. Mm. And so we've hyper-focused on those. And with that EPA study, each species got what was considered a normal range, 
And this is really, it was an average of the homes. And that's how the normal range was developed. Now, there's really no set standard with mold of how much mold is too much mold or too little mold. But we kind of look at that normal range as an understanding of, does this house have a problem or not? Because you can't ever have zero mold, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's not possible unless you want to live in a bubble. Um, but you want to have it under control. And when it's out of control, you'll see those levels sometimes get 10 times higher or 100 times higher or even 1,000 times higher than what it should be, than the average home. And that's when we know that there's some sort of problem with the home that's allowing an opportunity for it to grow. And then we start trying to figure out where is that problem coming from. Sometimes it's a leaking window. Sometimes it's grown in the HVAC over time because the HVAC unit didn't have a good filter on it. Uh, so these tiny particles bypass that filter over time. Um, sometimes there's a crawl space or a basement that doesn't have good moisture management systems in place. There's no dehumidifier. Um, so there can be a whole range of different issues that allow it to get out of control. But when it's out of control, that means the body is breathing in more particles every time it takes a breath than it normally would. And those particles then entering the body by bypassing the lungs, entering the bloodstream, you essentially go from inhalation to then ingestion, all because the particle is so small. It doesn't filter out on the lungs like a larger size particle would. And so then we get to this stage where our body's got to fight to remove it. And now we're dealing with chronic inflammation and all these other things, right? And so the reality of the situation is we want to limit the amount of mold that we're actually coming into contact with um, to, to really get ahead of this and make sure that we're in the healthiest uh, place possible. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's kind of helpful, but also scary because if you don't pay attention, again, I said, sometimes if you see a stain on the wall, you're like, oh, something is going on here. But when I was researching um, about your work um, and looking into toxic mold, I heard a lot of people that didn't even know they had it. It was like in the in their walls or under their flooring, especially wood flooring, and a lot of them in the basement and in the laundry rooms because I mm -hmm. didn't realize they had a they had a leak. And so, what is the first thing people should do, especially if they move in a new home that oh, or a home that is not newly built, right? Where like maybe the technology is more advanced, they use different materials that prevent mold and so on. What should they do? I think the first thing that people should do is go and get yourself what's called the dust tests because you it's so easy to do. You can do it at home by yourself. You don't need any professionals. You collect dust, you send it into the lab, and you're collecting dust from various parts of the home, so you're getting a good sense of different rooms and getting a good basis of what, what you're being exposed to. And it's a screening tool. And when you see that things are 100 times or 1,000 times outside of normal ranges, you know there's a problem and you might want to do some deeper investigation, right? So that is like the first thing people can do that's fairly inexpensive. I won't say it's so inexpensive. It's a couple hundred bucks um, that people can do to get the information to have either peace of mind or they can, if they are experiencing symptoms right now and their doctor's not sure what's wrong with them, they've done all these tests, this is a good place to start and see, okay, is the home environment potentially contributing? Um, because for thousands of people now that I've helped create healthy environments, you wouldn't believe the the range of symptoms that people have experienced that stopped experiencing it once they created a healthy environment. So this is definitely tying much closer into medicine than we could have ever imagined. 
Yeah. Okay. So let's dive into this. Obviously, this is my bread and butter when it comes to like health. And um, I know, again, from looking at your work that you mentioned, um, you have some really good articles about, for example, autoimmune disease, which is really a way that us in, well, I guess allopathic medicine more than naturopathy, but uh, would just say, we don't know what's going on with you, but your immune system is like overreacting to something. So I know autoimmune disease is something that triggers that is triggered a lot by things like mold and uh, very, very seldomly people, the doctors would actually put it down to that. So I'm liking your experience to talk about what you've, what you've seen from your clients, what you've seen from um, the people that hired you to look at their homes. What are the, the things that they, they truly feel like, okay, actually I'm suffering from these symptoms. I don't know where they come from. They're really sudden or maybe they're more chronic and um, they never really just paid attention to them until it, they became really bad. So if you can give me a little overview of what you've noticed that people feel and then they get better from when you go in and actually clear out the environment for them. So if you pick an autoimmune disease, uh, anyone under the sun and you tell it to me, I will have had a client that have had that okay. between rheumatoid arthritis, POTS, PANS and PANDAS, which is more, you know, it affects adults, but mainly kids as well. Um, skin issues, eczema. I mean, you pick anything out there and name it. And I've had a client who's had it that has improved significantly when addressing their environment, which is how I know the work I'm doing is so important and that I'm clearly onto something, right? Um, I'll tell you a story about a woman named Shannon. Shannon's a client of mine in Florida. She was so sick. She was bed bound about 95% of the time experiencing over 60 different symptoms. Wow. Had a GJ feeding tube installed into her lower intestine because she literally couldn't eat. Anytime she would eat, it would, it would just come right up. Wow. Uh, when Within seven days of Shannon moving out of her house, and when I say move out of her house, she rented an RV on her property, moved into this RV, which was like no more than 200 square feet. It was like, imagine being trapped in a... Uh, a cruise line um, room been... <laughs> for, for, for a few months. This is what she did. Within seven days of moving into this RV on her property, GJ feeding tube is gone. She's now walking again, holding her kids again. She made herself a meal for the first time in three years. Okay. This is the craziest transformation that I think I can tell you and that, they, that you'd be able to visualize. And this is without me even touching her home. And of course we touched her home, fixed her home, found all the problems nearly half gutted the thing, rebuilt it, got her back into her home. And she's now living in the home that, that made her sick. Wow. And she's thriving in that home and she's healing. You know, the thing about this is, is that it, we're, we're talking about immune suppressants, hmm. you know, something like stachybotrys, which is what everybody knows is tax, toxic mold. It's a toxigenic mold. It completely annihilates your immune system. There's a, a mycophenolic acid that is produced by penicillin. That is literally the, 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 what we make immune suppressant drugs out of that specific mold species that can be rampant in people's homes. Uh, ingesting mycophenolic acid is going to suppress your immune system. That's what it's, it's what, it's what it does. Um, these things then allow you this opportunity to become sick from anything, right? When your immune system is overloaded, and your body is now fighting this inflammation that's caused by all of this, you, you can't heal. You just can't. And anything, any other viruses that you might have, like EBV is a great example. 
you will now have reactivated EBV. Why? Because you already have EBV. Heck, we all pretty much have it in, in us, but it's inactive. When your immune system shut down, guess what happens? Anything in the world can become active, mm -hmm. right? Um, this is what our immune system safeguards against and keeps things under control. So when our control system fails, everything becomes out of control. And these are the types of things that people can experience in their environments, in their own home, where they spend 90% of their time, their sanctuary, where they go to sleep at night, where they put their kids to bed at night. And all of this stuff can be happening with no noticeable smells and no noticeable visualization. That's the scary part, of course. But that's why data is so important. Now, I'm not telling people get scared. By the way, I have no solution. The solution is we need to test our homes the way we test our bodies. We need to do routine checkups on our homes mm -hmm. because they have such an important factor in the way in which we live. It affects our happiness because there's also a uh, there's also a um, mental side of things where people experience anxiety and depression with extreme levels of toxins, but also because I don't know if you're not feeling well 99% of the time, I don't know how happy you're going to be, mm -hmm. you know? And of course you're going to be anxious because you, you're trying everything under the sun to get better and nothing's working. Right. And so you start to think, is this it? Yeah. And so there's so many people feeling like that all over the country. As a matter of fact, 60% of the global population deals with at least one chronic condition. 40% yeah. of the global population deals with two or more chronic conditions. And this number has increased over time, not, not decreased. So with the advancements of medicine and technology, the knowledge we have on food or sometimes confusion we have on food because yeah, there's so many different opinions out there. Mm -hmm. But the reality of it is we are trying harder and harder to get better, but we're getting worse and worse. And I think it's because we're not, we're not diagnosing our homes the way we diagnose our bodies. And if we start doing that, that's probably going to answer the questions that we have. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot of improvement. I mean, you mentioned, you know, our, our mood and our emotions are affected. I mean, just by thinking about immune system being decreased, we are automatically speaking about our microbiome. And, you know, you mentioned we, we have a lot of bacteria. We live in symbiotic relationships with most of them. But then, of course, there are the ones that take over and uh, we suffer when they take over and our good bacteria is not in the right numbers. They don't have the right food, of course, but also environment. So we have a connection between our gut and our and our brain and that brain, gut brain axis really does impact our mood and our and our feelings and how we deal with everything so we can start feeling overwhelmed. So it's so connected, so holistic. And you are right to say that, yeah, we don't really pay attention to looking at our homes as we maybe test our bodies and and it's really down to ignorance about it because again it's not a topic that a lot of people speak about how many doctors will even tell their clients or their patients hey um have you checked your home for mold for example i mean it doesn't happen not it very should many. be one of the first questions right um so that's a very interesting thing and it completely resonates with me in the ter in terms of what we should do to be healthy we should consider this as part of the holistic package but also um one of the things that came to me obviously i live in europe at the moment and i i'm in in, uh, in southern europe in portugal and one of the things that always gets me is um this is where we are in the north it's quite rainy during the, the winter and yet the homes are just built as if rain was not a thing and i've seen mold in many places, maybe not per se toxic mold. I don't know what 
what does toxic mold looks like versus normal mold? Because a lot of people are like, ah, oh, yeah, that's not toxic. I'm like, is it? Or is it all mold going to be toxic at some point? Well, it's such an interesting conversation. Um, you know, there are a lot of different theories out there, right? So one of the theories is like people get sick from stachybotrys. Mm-hmm. And then once they're sick from stachybotrys, which is the media coined toxic black mold, which is typically black. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit easier to spot. Um, once someone gets sick from toxic black mold, they then become sensitive to other molds. And then those molds can come into, into play and further impact the immune system and further allow other illness to take shape. That's a theory. Uh, the, the truth is we... From a global perspective, nobody, no government has ever been funding the study of mold itself on on health the way they should have. Um, I think it. I think most people are fearful that it opens a can of worms, um, <laughs> which which it, which it sure will. But when you look at the the data, I don't think we can we can avoid it anymore. I don't think we can afford to avoid it anymore. I think we have to confront it and get some more research uh, funded around this. Um, with that being said. There are different molds that are not considered toxic, but they can produce toxins, which are toxic. So this is where it gets a little confusing because mm-hmm. a lot of people will say, oh, I, I, I don't have stachybotrys, so I'm fine, uh, but I still seem to be reacting inside my environment. And it's like, well, I can't answer the question if you got sick from the stachybotrys or, and you're just reacting to the molds because some of the molds you have in your home also produce toxins. And we can see that through testing and data. So we're going to want to probably limit those molds anyhow, since they are toxic producing molds, which are toxic, even though the molds themselves aren't classified as toxic. Right. And so that's why I think it's so important to test, not guess. So we can really get a sense of what's abnormal. And like you said earlier in the episode, a lot of problems in my clients' homes, they don't smell they're not visible. They're behind the wall. They're in the HVAC system. They're in a crawl space somewhere. And so when you look at it from that perspective, the only real way to know what you're up against is to really get the data. Mm, totally. Don't guess when you can know 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So Another thing about I'm comparing the U.S. to uh, to Portugal just for the sake of this conversation. A lot of my listeners are in the U.S., which is brilliant. And they, so they they can access, access people like you are home biologists and they actually understand air purity. Uh, but it's not something I found here in Europe. And I don't know if you have had clients that got in touch with you from Europe and were like, I don't know who to get in touch with here. Like they, we don't have anyone. And again, it's something that baffles me because I'm like, there is humidity literally everywhere here and you can't find someone that understands it. So yeah. how have you ever had that conversation? Do you know anyone? Oh yeah. So I consult with people in Hong Kong, uh, you know, Peru, Spain, UK. The only thing is, and I'm very sorry about this, but I'm an American. And so all I've ever learned was English and yeah. my ancestors are Italian, but unfortunately they all passed away and we lost even the Italian. And so um, as long as you can speak English, I can communicate with you. And I have clients that use resources abroad, um, but they'll translate for me. So if they can help me translate some of the lab reports, if they're using a local lab, um, you know, obviously I can, I, I know I can see the numbers, yeah. but it's just translating what some of the, the different text is. Um, it makes it really easy and I can okay. still help them. 
my background in construction ranges from really old buildings in New York to brand new homes, you know, across the the country here in the U.S. And so a lot of the way the a lot of the way homes are built in Europe mimic the way buildings used to be built in in New York City 100 mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. They're these older style buildings with more cementuous products. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the way in which you would remediate cement or fix cement problems with cement buildings would be different than wood buildings, but I have experience in both. I have experience with slab and crawl space and basements and no basements and so um it it makes it really easy for me to be able to translate how I look at a building here into other parts of the world. And so um, I have been able to help people even with the limited resources that they have. I think one of the challenges in Europe, for example, is in the US, pretty much the, you can look on Google and you can find a mold inspector nearby. Mm. Whereas in Europe, it doesn't exactly work like that. So most of Europe, there's no mold inspectors. There's damp inspectors, right? Yeah. And so you have inspectors that come in and look for moisture. But of course, the the tools and equipment that they may use in other parts of the world might not line up with what we would use here. And so there's a little bit of translation and, okay, let's let them do their inspection. Let them write the report. Let me read the report and let's figure out what, what they found and what they might have missed. And we kind of go through it from that perspective. But yeah, I do consult consultations all over the world. And the product, the dust test that I help create using PCR technology that is very shortly going to be shipping worldwide. Amazing. That's brilliant news. So we probably will do it at home too, because we did buy an old farm and we did reconstruct it, but I do not think that our builder was a very smart guy. So yeah, I'm like, we don't have mold. We don't necessarily have a lot of smell because I do keep the air um, purifiers on and also have a lot of... Um, airflow so i always keep a window that is cracked and open but you know it's still our old home so i'm like okay we have to make sure that we don't get sick and so far so good but that might this lead me to my next question so how far along someone living in a place with mold can they start feeling sick is there a um you know a timeline that people generally feel sick in or is something that can really take years it depends on the person and I've had people that get sick instantly, instantly don't feel well. They have no idea why. And the longer they spend in that building, the worse it gets. I have people that it takes years for them to develop illness. So it is really difficult to pin this down. Um, you'll talk to two different people and one person will be like, oh, I know instantly when I walk into a moldy building that there's mold there, like they know. And you talk to another person they're like, no, about two weeks later, I'll I'll randomly start to feel it. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what makes it challenging. You know, one thing I realized, which I think sometimes medicine gets wrong is people are individuals Mm -hmm. and a lot of medicine tries to group us together in bunches. But like we all have different genetics and epigenetics and different diets and different microbiomes we're exposed to. So our immune systems are all going to be different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, medicine likes to say, well, if it works 67% of the time, we're okay with that. But we're neglecting the other 33%, right? And that's part of the problem is we have to really start to look at people individually because we are so different. 
And I think that's where we'll really start to be able to understand that, well, we know mold in this example is going to be a problem, whether it's a day or two weeks from now, whether it's tomorrow or two years from now. So we want to make this improvement so that people have a better chance of success at being healthy and happy. And I think if we start to move into that mindset and we use data to drive these decisions, then there, there's really nothing that we can't accomplish in terms of turning this whole epidemic of poor health around. Yeah, not 100% agree with you. Um, when people move out of their homes, how long does it take you to rebuild, clean out and make the home safe again? Well, that definitely depends on the size of the home. It definitely depends on the amount of issues with the home. Um, I'll give you an example, like someone that has leaking windows, right? It might take six weeks to order new windows and get new windows installed. And then it, it might take two weeks to open up around every single window and remove any mold or bacteria that might be growing around those windows on the inside. Um, you know, I've had projects that in one day the job is done and I've had projects where they're six months in and we're still finishing up. And so it, it really depends on size of the home, how many problems the home has. That's why everything is built around data. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, the reason I ask though is that obviously that is also a component of, uh, I guess, economics when it comes to it. Um, if a lot of people that perhaps bought a home a long time ago and now don't necessarily have the funds that they used to have and say, you know, how, how much is it going to cost me to do this? And do I have the finances to move out? So, and also, I guess the demographic accounts because different areas where buildings were built in a certain way with certain materials, where the sure. environment isn't, you know, more favorable to drying up quickly and not actually having mold or more environments where you have a lot of mold. Uh, if somebody is like, okay, I can't move out uh, while you do the work, if I'm going to invest into this, can people still live in that home while you guys fix the problem? Well, we're working in a project right now as we speak where somebody's living in the home as we do it. It's not ideal. And they know it's not ideal. And they, you know, they've expressed to me how unideal it is because, you know, two, two main reasons. One, we're using science and we care about efficacy. When someone's living in the home, of course, they care about efficacy, but they also care about convenience, mm -hmm. right? So for example, we have to shut down a hot water heater. That means there's no hot water and there's going to be X amount of days without hot water because we have mold behind the hot water heater. We have to get to it. We have no choice. We're now kind of rushing to get that hot water heater remediated so that we can get the hot water on. And this is not ideal because- you really want to take your time going through the whole project systematically so that there's less margin for error. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're rushing convenience over efficacy, you never want to be in that position because you never want the project to be all for nothing. Now, we guarantee our work. So if something's missed, we have to go back and clean it. But that means now we have to re shut down the hot water heater again. We're right back in the same boat, right? So just yeah. not ideal. The second problem is this, though. When you have air scrubbers running, because these are the machines that essentially control the airflow. Mm -hmm. And the, the purpose of this machine is so that if I'm, let's say, remediating a bedroom, the mold from the bedroom doesn't get into the kitchen, mm -hmm. right? Now, when I'm remediating this bedroom, we're going to have that bedroom under negative pressure. 
Well, if there's also a problem in a bathroom across the way, I'm pulling spores from that bathroom towards this bedroom. So if I'm living there, I'm going to be breathing that stuff in much more aggressively than I normally would. Um, and so it, it becomes just a not ideal situation. Now people are, are could be in increasing their exposure level. You know, it's always best to move out, look at it like I have a contamination center. I'm moving out, let them do their thing. And then when everything tests and shows that the house has been improved, then I move back in. Now it's safe. That's the best way to do it. But economically, sometimes people can't afford to move out. They have nowhere to go. They have no friends to stay with. They can't afford a hotel for a month, right? And so, you know, we have to do what we have to do and we have to make smart decisions together as a team. Yeah. And if people can't afford the work at all, is there any support by governments when this happens or insurance cover these issues or at all? Um, not well enough. I will say that not well enough. So insurance companies obviously can come in and cover it, but, but insurance companies, especially in the U S the way in which they word everything, it has to be a sudden and accidental occurrence. And so windows leaking wouldn't be a sudden and accidental occurrence, but if a storm came through and caused the window to leak, that would be a sudden and accidental occurrence. Right? So what do you think they're going to do? They're going to say, no, no, no. Windows have been leaking for a while. We're going to deny the claim. You know, like it has to be abundantly obvious to them that they have a claim to give a claim. Yeah. And so the other thing is in the U.S., a lot of states allow insurance companies to cap mold at a specific amount. So maybe they'll have a $10,000 cap. So if I have a $10,000 cap, but I have a $30,000 bill, then they're only going to cover $10,000. I have to cover the difference, which is $20,000. And that sucks. And as far as government assistance, well, most of our governments have not yet reached the point where they see how realize how big of a problem is it, this is and have a way to handle the economic impact. As a matter of fact, through my nonprofit, one of the things that we're doing is we're, uh, we're, we're basically paying for the research for the largest economic impact study that's ever been done in the US so we can show the government this is how much it's costing us to avoid whatever number we need to spend to fix this is going to save us trillions of dollars in the long run yeah and that's how governments have to start looking at this because in the US alone 85% of the healthcare burden all of the healthcare costs 85% of those costs are due to chronic illness, illness of which there is no known cause or cure, right? Yeah. And so even if a portion of that is because of poor air quality in people's living environments, that's a huge economic savings that you have when you make the right investment. Yeah. And so look, you know, it's like, what did we do to oil when we decided we're no longer going to have uh, cars that with gasoline. Well, yeah. we give them we give them a long runway to change and adapt. You know, we do adapt though. And we do change things and make the world a better place. And unfortunately, yes, some companies will have to have more liability. Some companies will have to cough up more money. But yeah. we have to adapt as a civilization to those things and those businesses have to adapt as well. 
to be able to to provide people with happier, healthier lives. Definitely. Uh, while you were talking about the exposure while you were cleaning, I wanted to segue into a question about your own safety with your team. Um, how do you make sure that you guys are obviously working in a toxic environment now? You know exactly what you're working with and you know the risks. So how do you prevent yourself from getting sick? Well, we have special suits to protect our skin. We have gloves. We have special masks with special filters that filter out particles and gases because mycotoxins sometimes acts as a chemical residue and can enter a very small particle and can enter the body easily. So we want to filter out those things. We want to filter out these tiny particles like mold. Um, and we want to protect our eyes, uh, especially when we're, we're dealing with all, we don't use any chemicals in our process. All of our process is botanical we still want to protect ourselves as much as humanly possible against anything that can happen in the environment. And that's important. And all of our guys are trained to know, listen, this is so important to our health. You have to protect yourself. And when you protect yourself, you're also protecting the people that you're there to help. Yeah. And that's really important. And since you are, obviously this is very knowledgeable, you're very knowledgeable and you're very organized. And it seems like obviously after 11 years of working full-time with this problem and creating a company that really supports um, people into getting their homes you know, safe and having this opportunity to also support people abroad, there is obviously a little um, you know, obstacle, which is uh, you're not in Europe or you're not in Asia when you find out from the test that you uh, examine that a home say in the UK has toxic mold and they need to really do something about it how do you advise the um, the people that live there to to deal with it as in how do you, how can they find the best people to cope with it to clean it properly to make sure that they don't use toxic products which then will also pollute the air or that they actually make it safe or that if they have to rebuild something they rebuild it in a way that it won't allow mold to, to grow as easily because I know it's impossible to stop it completely but so how do you how do you work with them so that they know what they're doing because one thing from my experience working with builders is that there's a lot of um you know scams out there and people that say that they know what they're doing and they really don't and that causes a lot of the issues to begin with when it comes to construction so how do you support people that really we don't know like I never learned how to build things to to get the right person yeah well, in, in rare circumstances, I get my team visas and we go out and wherever in the world is needed and help people. Uh, but obviously that doesn't always work. And when that doesn't work, the goal is to become a part of their team and to consult with their entire team mm -hmm. to help understand, make sure everybody understands what's at stake here and make sure that everybody understands the scope of work that needs to happen to really make sure that this place is going to be healthy after. And that's been um, probably the bigger challenge is, you know, like you said, in other parts of the world, it's just not, it's just not thought of. Um, builders don't they take it, they don't take it seriously in the U.S. anyhow. And they certainly don't take it serious in other parts of the world. Um, it just doesn't happen. And so a lot of that is spending time talking to the contractor about the scope of work, explaining why the scope of the work needs to be outlined the way in which it is presented. Um, and the importance of it and making sure that they follow this process. Now, of course, I can't be there to watch them and that's not my role, but my role is to help educate them and guide them on the path so that they 
will do the right thing because they understand why, how, why it's so important. And from there, it's making sure we have counter counterbalances in place to check. So before they start putting in any new materials, let's do another test and let's make sure the levels have dropped to a safe level. So we're not just building over mold or bacteria. Mm. And, you know, as long as you have checks and balances and you educate people on the importance of it and how to do it right, you typically have a good success. Brilliant. And in terms of, um, well, I, I guess in terms of like mitigating or making sure that we are, you know, in, before we even know that there is mold in our homes and, you know, we like, okay, there's nothing wrong here. I'm not sick. How important is it to have a air purifier in our home? You know, I think it is, I think it is important, but I want to stress some things about it. So if I have an overflowing bathtub, uh, you would ask me in that situation, how important would towels be to clean up the mess? Very important, right? <laughs> got to clean up the mess. But we first got to shut off the faucet, right? So yeah. that water is not overflowing. And so I never want people to think that if they live in a moldy place, that plugging in an air purifier is going to be enough to really address their problem. Cause it's not, unfortunately, it's not going to be, it's not going to remove the stuff as fast as it's coming back into the environment. Mm -hmm. So people need to understand that. Now, if people have nominal issues or they have a relatively healthy environment and want to keep it relatively healthy, then air purifiers are awesome for that. Um, I once had to help a guy's, you know, has family coming in town. He know he's got a small issue and he wanted to see how he can mitigate the risk of that small issue impacting somebody else. I said, well, let's change the pressure so that that issue is not going into the house. Let's put an air purifier nearby to just keep removing anything that can migrate into there. Right. And it's a band-aid solution that'll get them through the week until somebody can get there and address the issue. Right. Mm -hmm. So, kind of help with things like that. The biggest thing that we need to be concerned about though, is our HVAC systems. They are super vulnerable because they have evaporator coils. They have components where mold can grow. It's behind the scenes. We don't see them. I know not every part of the world has HVAC systems, but for those that do, it is paramount to protect them. There's amazing products out there that essentially are like air purifiers for your HVAC systems that will protect them from tiny particles like mold or bacteria from getting into the system. And that is crucial. That is the best investment you can make. Um, instead of spending thousands of dollars on a plug-in air purifier, spend the thousands of dollars there and you'll have a much better impact. Mm. Yeah, we don't have those here. Uh, though, so I did get the plug-in, but um, if people need to get a plug-in, you, can you advise any good brands or is it something that you never really looked at in terms of what there's want to go for? Well, there's so many brands and, you know, uh, everybody would probably love for me to, to throw out brands there. But I think the reality is I want to teach people the fundamental. Okay. You want a purifier that can remove the smallest particle possible at the highest efficiency possible. Mm -hmm. If you achieve that, um, then pick anything that's in your budget that works. Because I know some air purifiers can be a couple hundred bucks. Some can be a thousand, right? And mm -hmm. I don't want to give out a brand that people can't afford. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure people understand if you can find the unit that can remove the smallest particle possible at the highest efficiency possible, that is what you should buy. Yeah. Makes sense. 
Um, I heard, well, I mean, I bought one that had a, I'm going to, I'm sorry if I say it wrong, HIPAA, HIPAA filter. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, is that is that something that you want to have into your? Uh, from what I read, that's something you want to have into your air purifier. Um, well, is that components you should look at that are important? So HEPA is HEPA was invented in 1940s. Um, this is a pretty old technology. Okay. Uh, HEPA gets down to 0.3 microns. That's the goal. It has to get. It has to be 99.97 percent effective at 0.3 microns. Odds are. Whatever you bought is probably certified HEPA, but it might get it might do better than HEPA. And you know the goal is to do is as get to the smallest particle level that you can. I know machines out there that can get down to seven nanometers, which would be you know much smaller than HEPA, which would be great. And your machine probably gets smaller than HEPA, but it uses HEPA because HEPA has been the gold standard for almost a hundred years now. You know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's brilliant to know. Thank you. All right. So what are your what, what should people do? Like now they're listening to this and like, hmm, okay. Um, what's the best way for them to A start with uh, making sure their home is safe and maybe even getting in touch with you to have a chat or see your services? Uh, tell me a little bit about how you can help if people wanna even just uh, go into a discovery call because maybe they don't have problems at home, but they are curious to make sure everything is safe and also, if they have problems, how to work with you and also how to, you know, reach your resources, which, of course, we'll link everything in the show notes. But I love to know how people can just, you know, get in touch with you and work with you, because I think it's really important to have someone that is knowledgeable and that you have, you know, you can trust when it comes to this topic, because most of yeah. us are ignorant about it. I mean, we don't learn about it anywhere else. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of the experts out there give bad advice, too. Um, and that's been frustrating. Because for, like I said, at the beginning of my journey, I was fixing problems from other experts' mistakes and not just a little, like hundreds of homes. And so, you know, um, it's really hard because a lot of people in this industry, they're just construction people and they have no science background and they never bothered to even look at science or the particles and microbiological contaminants that they're dealing with. And I think that's really important. You need to find somebody who as the construction background, but also cares enough to learn the science behind what they're actually doing. Yeah. And that is unfortunately hard to find. Um, you can find me at the michaelrubino.com, homecleanse.com, or changetheairfoundation.org. Change the Air is our nonprofit that we're uh, doing a lot of research, trying to change laws and help people educate people. All three of those websites have a wealth of information all free resources, information, guides. I mean, almost anything under the sun that you have a question on, you will probably find an answer in one of those articles. Uh, so I, I definitely think people should start there. If you have complex issues and you need me personally, by all means, you can book a consultation. Uh, um, and I, I think any product stuff that you want recommendations are, you can find on homecleanse.com. And so it's a great resource. Brilliant. Uh, that's great. I will put everything in the show notes for people to know. And well, Michael, this is so, you know, impactful. I think, as I said at the beginning, like we have to look at health holistically. This is something we do as naturopathic doctors, but unfortunately it's not part of our well, health system uh, when it comes to, you know, our medical system anyway, allopathic one. But um, I, I always find it, I mean, I found it really fascinating since I found out about air purity and the importance of the home being safe. Um, and, uh, you know, just to see how much these things impact us, because it, we really don't learn about it. 
Um, and, um, and I think one of the things that made me really curious about it, and actually I was so excited to talk to you uh, for, because um, I went to see a friend who had, she literally had mold on, on the wall and a builder told her not to worry about it. And I was like, I'm quite sure that even if this is not black mold, it's not healthy for you. Um, but there was there was just no advice and no support in getting that done. So, and she wasn't because she wasn't told by the builder that was something to worry about. She didn't even have the consciousness to really go deep into it and look at up look it up herself. Yeah. So I would love this episode to actually inspire people to be learners and to get knowledge about the issue so that they can actually ask questions to the builders. And if they see that builders or air um, experts don't know the answers or even have heard about it, to perhaps move on to someone that is looking into things a little more thoroughly. Because as you mentioned, you can spend money to fix a problem and then having to go back and fix it, which makes you spend more, but also yep. you're going to risk your your health and that's going to be poor quality of life. And God, that's going to cost a lot more than just financial um, you know, assets. So thank you for the work that you do and for the knowledge you share. You have a great web uh, website, but you also have a great podcast. So I'm really excited about yeah. this the contact and I'm really, uh, thank you for making the time for the for the interview. Yes. Thank you so much for having me and for having this platform and educating people how to live their happiest and healthiest lives. I think that's really an important thing. Um, and I hopefully people have learned uh, something here today or I failed at doing my job. And hopefully people now feel more comfortable in having the resources and looking at the home environment and how it relates to our health and seeing that correlation, I think is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And hopefully we can chat soon again and we'll have some more awesome topics to bring to the public as well. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Michael. And thank you everyone for staying on for this episode. I really hope you learned a lot and you're actually more aware of what mold does, what it is, and how to actually test it. So get in touch with Michael if you have more questions. I put all the details in the show notes. I think it's an important subject. I don't know much about it. I'm really learning and it's really time to learn about it because I live in a country where humidity is huge and so mold is definitely a possibility and I definitely don't want to get sick I really you know look after myself so well this would be crazy to get sick because of mold so if you are looking to learn more this is really the way to do it and learning is important because knowledge is power so guys if you like this episode make sure that you review it you are sharing it with your friends you're telling people about it help us grow so i can bring more and more amazing guests on the show and we can really have a conversation about all aspects of health so i look forward to seeing you next week bye